Thanks for listening to our messages from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources and information on connecting people to Jesus for life change, visit us online at southbridgefellowship.com. Good morning, Southbridge. You having a good morning so far? All right. Hopefully, don't get a sugar coma. I hope you didn't just eat only cinnamon rolls out there, having our first uh, brunch together, and maybe this will become a new tradition for us. I hope you were able to talk to some new people. If today's your first time at Southbridge, uh, I hope you received a worship program on your way in, and if you wouldn't mind, at the bottom, just fill out your connection card and turn it on at the first-time guest tent. We've got a gift we want to give you today as well, and uh, by filling out that card, you also make a difference in somebody's life, and they can tell you about that at the, at the first-time guest tent when you go out there. But I wanted to come up this morning, and usually when we have a guest guest speaker, I'll introduce the guest speaker. And we don't have a guest speaker today. We've got one of our own pastors preaching, but he has a new title. And so I wanted to mention that uh, for some of you who know are not, no, 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 not, 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 not making fun of him about being fake Scott. We won't talk about that right now. Um, some of you start laughing about that. Uh, if some of you don't know the story of our church and what's happened over the last several months, but uh, God's been very gracious to Southbridge and that we reached out to a church, Covenant Church, about purchasing their property. And they said no. And they gave us this property. And they said, can we join you as a church? And we were pumped because we were trying to get a property. But one of the best things that's happened has been the people that we've uh, come into contact with, relationships with, even these missionaries that you saw uh, becoming our, some of our new missionaries. And one of the pastors that came in that process was Pastor Scott, the fake Pastor Scott. You can bring him on up here, 2.0. Uh, he's going to be preaching today. And when Scott joined us, he was already working as a youth pastor, a student pastor at Covenant Church. And so he became the associate student pastor at Southbridge at the time and has served in that capacity for it's about six months now, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he is now, we're moving him to be the outreach and missions pastor at our church. And so, can you give him a hand for that? He was already, he's already been doing a bunch of the responsibilities. And so for some of you that are on the outreach team or have served in these different ways, uh, you've already seen this. It's like a no-brainer. And uh, he was point on our Southbridge Serves this year and just doing various things with some strategic partners in our community. And one of our goals is we want everybody who attends this church to be like, well, this church is serious about reaching their community. Yeah. And so we want to be able to staff towards that as well. And so Pastor Scott is part of that. He's going to be bringing the word this morning. I'm just going to pray for him and uh, pray for us as he opens up the scripture. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for Pastor Scott Mason. And I pray, God, you've been speaking to his heart as he's been preparing for this message. I pray that he'd be able to communicate that clearly to us and that you'd speak to our hearts. I think even of what Adam, our worship leader this morning, was sharing about the difficulty that he and his family have gone through. And God, we know that your perfect love casts out fear. And God, I pray for his kids as they've been fearful since this break-in. I pray, God, that you would just overwhelm them with your love today. And I pray that you'd overwhelm people that might be here Maybe their church didn't have services today, or maybe they're looking for a church, and they're not sure, giving you a shot. God, I pray you'd speak to hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, sir. Good morning, Southbridge. How you guys doing? Man, it's good. It's good to be here this morning. To, man, look at all those faces out there. It's good to see you. And, and for me, this, this morning is especially exciting because to be back up on this stage preaching, you know, from, for me, this is like my old stomping grounds. Like, so, so welcome, guys. Um, it's also great. I don't know if, if I can see them, but Dale and Carol are actually here uh, this morning with us, um, the, the guys that we just saw up on the video. And uh, we're actually going to be taking up a, a dollar change offering for them and the, the, the ministry that they're doing. Um, and so it's just cool that we get to, to be a part of that. Uh, what's especially cool is when they actually came in uh, to film this video, uh, Carol said something, and she said something along the lines of, 
we just have such an open door of opportunity while so many doors for other people are closing. And I just thought that was, that was so neat, not only because of what God is doing in their ministry and we get to be a part of, but I, I selfishly thought it was really cool because I was actually preaching on doors today, doors of opportunity. So I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Like, just, just go with that, lean into that. Um, and so that's why, that's why I have a door up on this stage. It's a, it's a good looking door, right? And it's kind of cute. It's not perfect. You could say it's adorable. <laughs> it's not... It's not going to get much better, guys, I promise you. <laughs> but it is, though. It's, it's, got a, it's got the numbers. It's got a, a door knocker. Do you know the guy who invented the door knock, knocker actually uh, won a Nobel Prize? Nobel Prize? <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home. Uh, it took me like three hours to come up with that, guys. Come on. Um, but we're going to be talking about doors and, and opportunities and doors that are before us. In the year 2019, we're going to have doors that are placed before us. Uh, but I just thought, since it's a special Sunday, we only have one service. Uh, some of the students are in here. Some of the kids are in here. I thought we could play a game, right? And we just called Guess That Door. So there's going to be doors up on the screen. And I want to see if you guys can, can guess what door it is. So let's, let's put up door one. Do you guys know what door this is? Dr. Hill, what's, what's it called? The TARDIS. Good job, guys. Okay, let's, let's look at the next one. Anybody know what door this is? Okay. If you guys are struggling, my parents are actually here. They can help you out. They're from England. It's 10 down in street. Okay, let's look at the next one. Anybody know this one? Friends. Whose apartment is it? Does anybody know? Monica. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Good job. Proud of you guys. Okay, last one. Hobbit. Who lives there? Bilbo Baggins. Good job. You guys, a round of applause. You guys aced that game. So these are famous doors, right? These are iconic doors. And here's the thing. We all have doors in our own life. We have physical doors. We have spiritual doors. We have emotional doors. There's a quote that says, the doors we open and close each day decides the lives that we live. You see, the purpose of a door is to enter or to exit a place. It's to keep things in or to keep things out. And I think as we all sit here today, and if we take time to pause and reflect, each one of us can think of certain times in our life where we've walked through a door. There's certain significant moments in our life when we look back and we're like, I remember when I stepped out and I stepped through that door. Maybe it was taking a new job, moving to a new place, opening a business. Maybe it was closing that door on that relationship, that boyfriend, that girlfriend. Maybe it was stepping into a door of becoming a parent, stepping into a whole new world. Or maybe some of you are here today and, and you're thinking about that door that was once before you and you wish you stepped through it, but you just didn't have the courage at the time and you feel like you missed out and you're disappointed that that door is no longer there. Each one of us has, has doors in our life. Some doors are easy. Some doors are difficult. Some doors just won't seem to shut. Some doors just won't seem to open. And going into the year 2019, there's going to be many more doors that come in our life, many more significant doors. And I want us to be a people that knows the doors that God has for us and not to miss them because we're looking for them in the wrong places. And so the first door we're going to knock at today it's found in 1 Corinthians 16. And so if you guys want to turn there in your Bibles. And I feel like it'd be a mess if I didn't tell a knock-knock joke since I had a door on stage. So knock-knock. Paul. Paul up a chair and I'll tell you. 
That's right, we're talking about the Apostle Paul, and he's writing a letter to the church of Corinth, and he's writing to them about his travel plans. And so in 1 Corinthians 16.9, like what I did there, it's good, right? Um, He's talking about his plans, and he says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend a winter with you, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door of effective work has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. So our first door today is the door of direction. Who or what is directing your life today? Here we have Paul And he's in Ephesus. He's writing to the church in Corinth. He has a great relationship with the church in Corinth. He knows the people there. He loves the people there. And he's making his travel plans. He says, I want to come see you. I want to come spend time with you. But right now, i got to stay in Ephesus. Why does he have to stay in Ephesus? Because he says that this wide open door became available to him. He's like, hey, look, I really want to come visit you. I love you guys. I want to spend time with you. But right now... I can't walk away from this door that has been placed before me. I mean, this is the same Paul that writes in Ephesians. He said, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You see, Paul couldn't walk away from this opportunity. He's all about making the most of every single opportunity that he has. And we might read this and think, we'd do the same thing. We might think, well, of course, that makes sense, right? There's this great opportunity. Who's going to walk away from that, make the most of every opportunity? YOLO. If you don't know what YOLO is, ask your kids. If your kids don't know what it is, ask your grandkids, okay? YOLO. You only live once. Make the most of every opportunity. How can I walk away from this door? But Paul, if we read very carefully, says there's this great opportunity, this great wide door. And then in his next breath, he says... And there's many adversaries. There's many that oppose me. There's many that are against me. Most of us wouldn't put these two statements together, right? I have this wide open door of opportunity. Oh, and and there's all these people that are against me. It's like he's almost excited that there's people against him. To me, when I think of a wide open door, I don't think of people against me. I think a wide open door is something that takes little, if any, work. When I think of a wide open door, I actually imagine somebody opening the door for me, so I just have to walk through. That's how I imagine in my mind. All the stars are aligned, the timing's right, the perfect's right, the, the, the place is right. All I have to do is walk through. It should be that easy. That's how I imagine an open door. It should be easy. But Paul here is not talking about an easy door. He's talking about an effective door. Don't mistake effective for easy. You see, a wide open door is often disguised as work. Opportunities are revealed in our obedience. We often want the rewards, but we don't want the work that comes with responsibility. But you see, Paul knows his mission. He knows his direction. He knows what he's been directed to do. He knows his direction for his life. His direction is fixed upon Christ and making him known. We know that because Paul in Hebrews says, run with perseverance, the race marked out for you, fixing 
our eyes on Jesus. His direction is running towards Christ in all that he does. He knows his direction. Do you know yours today? Turn to the person sat next to you and say, what's your direction? Turn to the other person next to you, your second choice, and say, you look lost. <laughs> so we should make the most of every opportunity, but we have to know what opportunities to look for. Paul lays out this idea for us as Christians that where there's opposition, there's also opportunity. Where there's a problem, we have a chance to bring purpose. The idea of where is the darkest, that's where your light is going to shine the brightest. And, and sometimes we think we have problems, right? Like, oh, well, you don't, you don't know what it's like at work. You don't know what it's like here or there. But, but let me tell you a little bit about the place where Paul wants to, he wants to go visit, but he says, i got to stay here in Ephesus. Let me tell you about Ephesus. It says that Ephesus had a great system of organized idolatry centered from the famous temple of Diana or Artemis, a Greek goddess. The city had ritual prostitution and sexual perversion was not only tolerated, but was actually promoted in the name of religion. In addition, there were Jewish exorcists who went around claiming to cast out spirits in Jesus' name. The city was full of occult practitioners of every sort. Paganism, idolatrism, occultism, demonism, superstition, sexual vice, racism, religious animosity, pagans against Christians, Jews against Christians, pagans and Jews against one another was considered normal. The commentary said, Probably no New Testament church had more direct opposition than the one Paul was at in Ephesus. But to Paul, he saw great opposition was a great opportunity. You see, our direction for our life as Christians is to bring love, forgiveness, grace, mercy, compassion, peace, healing, truth, to be the light in the darkness. And we can't do that unless we go to those places. Unless we allow ourselves to be exposed to those people that don't believe what we believe, those people that are against us, those people that, that just can't stand us, those people that are mean, that, that oppose you, we can't show them that love unless we go to those places. So what's, what's your direction? What's leading you? In this coming year, 2019, what's going to set your course for that year? I've read that when you're looking for a place to serve the Lord, we shouldn't look for a perfect place. We should look for a place with problems. Because you see, for us that know Jesus, we have the answer to all life's problems, and that answer is Jesus. Where there's evil, we have a wide and effective door to do good. Our direction should be to bring light in the darkness. When there's challenges, when there's obstacles, when people oppose you, when your job has problems, there is your mission, and you have permission to do your mission, because Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news. All people are sent. Each and every one of you sat in this room right now is sent. Just some of you are sent right here. Some of you are sent to your jobs, to your family, to your neighbors. That's the calling that we all have. But as Pastor Scott mentioned a couple weeks ago, do we desire that calling or instead do we desire comfort? And that brings us to our next door, which is the door of desire. What does your heart today truly desire? I spoke to a person a couple weeks ago 
and, and they were a Christian, and we just got chatting, and I was talking to them about the job, and I was like, oh, so where do you work? And they told me, and, and I was like, oh, how is it? And they the were like, it's horrible. Right? Like, I hate it. Um, all the people there, they, they, they're not Christians. They don't believe what I believe, and sometimes they're just mean to me, and I just can't wait to get out of there. He said, I'm only there for the money. I'm only there for the paycheck. And it just, it just kind of challenged my heart. Now, now, let me show some grace. I... I understand it's hard to be in a difficult work environment. I get that. It, it, it's, it's not fun. I, I've been there. It's hard. But, but my thing is, is, is Paul challenges this mentality of, I can't wait to get out of there, and instead seeing that as an opportunity, as a wide open door to bring the good news. Paul challenges this mentality of, hey, when people are against me, instead of trying to get away from them, hey, this is a great opportunity for me to tell them about Jesus. Because my thing is, is if all we ever do is we're at a job where we're like, I can't wait to get out of here, the people suck, this, this, and this, then who is going to show them the love of Christ? You see, God has you in your place for more than a paycheck. He has you there for a purpose. You are the one that have a wide open door into your job, into your family, into your neighborhood. The question is, are you going to walk through it? If the only reason we're in our job is because of money, we have our desire in all the wrong places. Our motive should not be for the cha-ching, instead it should be for the king. Amen. Go ahead, I'll, I'll wait for you to tweet that one. Go ahead. You see, if we follow Paul's book in Philippians, we get an insight to his desires. He says in 1 Philippians 12, 22, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that whatever has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial God and to the rest that, uh, to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having been confident in the Lord in my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak words without fear. Here we have Paul. He's in prison, and he's writing this letter. And he's, and he's even seeing him being placed in prison as an opportunity for purpose. In the midst of imprisonment, he goes on to say, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rival, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Why are you here today? What is your motive? What is your desire? Why do you come to church? Why do you go? Is it, is it, is it out of good, you know, for the right reasons, or is it out of selfish ambition? Paul then goes to say, as, as it is my eager expectation, and I hope I will not be put to shame, but with full courage, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul had a desire that desired Christ even above his own life. No matter what comes in my life, I'm going to desire Christ. Paul's life exudes a life that desires Christ above everything else. In all circumstances, in all situations, whether, whether he's free or in prison, whether he's in the capital city or he's shipwrecked on an isolated island, whether he has a lot or has little, his desire is always to preach Christ and to make him known. What's your desire today? Going into 2019, what are the desires of your heart? Do you desire opportunities that advance the message of the gospel or just advance me? You know, because it's common around this time of year to start making New Year's resolutions, right? 
Like, oh, I'm going to get super fit. I just got all this brand new gym equipment. It's going to be awesome. Or, or like, hey, I just got all these fantastic cookbooks. I'm going to eat healthier this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better saving. I'm going to put money into savings because I just spent way too much on Christmas. You know, we all have these, these New Year's resolutions, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to challenge us that this year we set out for 2019 that I will desire Christ above all else. That we set a New Year's resolution where I'm going to walk closer to Christ, even if it means sacrificing my comfort. I say it a lot, but always put purpose before preference. Because the truth is, all the things in this world are temporary. We, we won't be here forever. Each and every one of us has an expiration date. The money we have will one day disappear. Even this building, as, as beautiful as it is and all the work we've done for it, I'm sorry, it's going to be gone one day. The chairs you sit in are no longer going to be here. And so we can't put our trust in temporary things, the things of this world. But instead, we use the temporary things of this world to advance the message of Christ, to advance the kingdom of God, to put our trust in the one who is eternal the one who was and is and is to come, the one that's never going to fail us. Because truth is, each and every one of us in this room today, whether we realize it or we don't realize it, we desperately need Jesus. Jesus is the door to all our needs, which leads me to our final door. The door of desperation. All of us in this room are desperately in need of Jesus. The Word of God says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, we've all messed up, we've all failed, we've all done some form of offense to God. You see, because we serve a perfect God, and none of us in this room are perfect, and so we've fallen short of God, and only God can stand before perfection because He's so holy. And so we need desperately a hero. We desperately need a savior to save us from, from our imperfections, to pull us out of the mess that we've got ourselves into. And for those of you that are here today and, and you know Jesus, you understand that. When, when you accepted Christ, you knew you had a desperate need for him. But my challenge to you and my question to you is, but do you walk that out daily? Or is this just something we knew when we accepted Christ and now we somehow think we can do life on our own? The Bible talks about this. It says, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? It's sarcasm. You can't be perfected by the flesh. Are you still desperate for Jesus? Is our heart really desperate to know Jesus and to live our life for him? You see, because we can easily come to church, we can easily go to small groups, we can do Bible studies, but we can also not have a heart that desperately desires Jesus, that desperately wants him to direct our life. And I don't want you to miss out on the fullness that God has for you. Stepping into 2019, I want each and every one of us to live out the fullness of God, what he has planned for you. But we have to be more desperate for him than anything else. If you want to walk out the fullness that God has for you, you have to be desperate. There's two stories in the Bible where I think of this idea of, are we desperate for God or are we just seeming to do all the right things? The first one is the rich young ruler, and the second one is the four guys that were carrying their paralyzed friend. 
says, the rich young ruler, he says, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him. He seems to be doing all the right things. He looks desperate. And he asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus goes on and says, you know, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and father. And the guy said, teacher, I've kept all these since I was young. He seems to be doing all the right things. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. You see, Jesus knew he had a desire in his heart that was greater than him. It was for his possessions. And Jesus said to him, go sell everything you have. Come follow me. This blows my mind because... The, Jesus was offering this guy the same opportunity that he offered his other disciples. We could have been looking at a 13th disciple right here. He said to the fisherman, go sell your nets, go sell your living, you know, drop your nets, give it away, come follow me. And they did. But he goes on to say that, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He was doing all the right things, but he just wasn't desperate for Jesus. The second story we have is Jesus heals the paralytic. And it says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was home. And many were gathered together so that there were no room, not even at the door. So basically, Jesus had come back, and there's been this huge crowds, and the crowds are gathering around him, that even the house is full, even outside of the house is full. All these people are filling this room. And he said, these guys, he came to them, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. These guys were carrying their friend to Jesus. I'm sure they had to carry him a long distance, right? And carrying a guy is not easy. I don't know how they carried him, but I imagine it was pretty difficult. And when they got there, it said they could not get near him because of the crowd. They planned it. They'd come all the way. They were desperate. And when they got there, they couldn't even get to Jesus. The door was, was blocked. But he goes on to say that, so they climbed up on the roof and they removed the roof. When they, and they made an opening, and they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. We have one guy, the rich young ruler, that seems to be doing all the right things, and yet he walks away disheartened because of disappointment, because he heard what he didn't want to hear. Then we have another people group that come to Jesus, and they're desperate. So when they come and find that they can't get into the room, they don't leave disheartened, they leave determined. So my question is, is, when you face disappointment, will you leave disheartened or will you leave determined? Oftentimes, disappointment doesn't mean the door wasn't for you. Disappointment doesn't need to be your final destination. Sometimes it just means you have to find another door, even if you have to build your own. Are you desperate enough today? The man and his friends, they were desperate. They were going to get to Jesus no matter what it was. They weren't going to make any excuses what are your excuses today that's stopping you from serving in the fullness that God has for you? Are you going to leave disheartened because, well, it didn't work out the way that I wanted it to work out? Or are you going to leave determined to do what Christ has called you to do, no matter what? I just want to invite the band back up as we start to, to wrap up. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Maybe you're here today, and you don't know Jesus. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing about him. Maybe you, you've heard little bits about him, and you want to know more. 
And I just want you to know today that you are in desperate need of Jesus, whether you realize it or not. You cannot live the life you was created to live without him. And the beautiful thing is, is that the God of the whole universe knows this. He knows you can't live the life you were created to without him. And so what he did is he sent his son, his perfect son. He sent our hero, our, our, our savior, our Messiah into this world to die for each and every one of us. He took on your failures. He took on your wrongdoing. And he died in your place. All those things that we talked about where we've messed up, where we failed, he took that on for himself so you didn't have to. And today, just as you desperately need Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus is desperately waiting for you to turn to him. He's desperately waiting for you to put your trust in him. The word of God says that it is his desire that all men will turn to him, that none shall perish. But you have to be desperate for him. You have to put away all your desires, anything that's above him, and turn to him. But this is the beautiful thing is, is once you turn to Jesus, once you realize you have a desperate need for him, and you trust in him, you allow his desires to become your desires, then, you, then he's going to direct you into the destiny that he has for you. And once you walk with Jesus, you'll have access to the one true door. What does that mean? That means that once where there was darkness, you now have a door to light. That means once there, once the weather was a storm in your life, you now have a door to peace. That means when you encounter sickness, you now have a door to healing. That means when there was chaos, there's now calm. Where there's confusion, there's clarity. Where there was sadness, there's joy. Where there's fear, there's faith, despair, hope, death, life. Somebody shout, open the door. want to take a moment just to pray for you guys and so if you guys could do me a favor and just stand to your feet if you're here today and and you don't know Jesus if he's not the Lord of your life and you haven't put your trust in him I want to give you that chance to do that today I don't want you to miss this I want you to know that Jesus is here right now and he's waiting for you to turn to him it says in Revelation 3:20, behold I stand at the door and I knock if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. If that's you today, I want you to know that Jesus is standing at the, heart, at the door of your heart and he's, he's knocking. Will you let him in today?
You see, Jesus is not going to force himself in. He's not going to break in. He's just going to wait. And he's going to knock. If that's you today, I encourage you to let him in. I remember for me, it was about 11 years ago, this very time of year, Jesus knocked on the door of my heart. I remember sitting in church just like you guys were. And I, I heard Jesus, he was, he was knocking. I was, I was afraid, I was nervous, I was excited. I was about to step into a new door of life where I have access to the creator of creator, creation, the Lord of lords, the king of kings. <laughs> I remember sat in church and man, my, my, my heart in my chest was... I could feel Jesus. He was knocking on my heart. And I want you to know he's knocking on your heart today. Will you let him in? Will you answer that knock? If that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just as an outward demonstration of faith, if that's you today, if you want to accept Jesus, if you know that you're desperate for him, just raise your hand. Shoot it up real fast. Okay, I see that hand. I see that hand. If that's you, raise that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to know that you're stepping through a door that's unlike any other door today. I don't want to miss that. If there's anybody else, just raise your hands real quick. Okay. See that hand. And if you're here today and you know Jesus, but you feel like, I'm not desperate for him anymore. My desires aren't on him if I'm honest with myself. If I'm honest with myself, I, I, when I came to Christ, I was there. But somewhere along the way, I, I, I started to try and perfect myself in the flesh. I started right, but if I'm honest, I'm, I'm not where I should be. I desire other things. I desire myself more than my Savior. If that's you today, can you also just raise your hand? I want to pray for you guys. Okay, I see those hands. See those hands, yep. Here's a great opportunity, guys. Going into 2019, there's nothing special about the date, but there's just this idea of the new beginnings. Set in your heart today that Jesus will be the number one desire in my heart. That everything that I look for in 2019 will be doors to bring the kingdom, not doors for myself. And you have access to every single door that you're going to need because Jesus is the one true door. So Lord God, we just thank you and we praise you for today. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you that you are the door. I thank you that you knock and, and we let you in. And I thank you that through the door we have access to all that we need. Even when we face opposition, when we face adversity, I thank you that you have a purpose for us in those places. I pray for all those that raise their hand to accept you. I just celebrate and I rejoice that they're stepping into a new life with the creator of the whole world, Jesus. I thank you that you took on their sins so they didn't have to, and that they now have access to the one true God. And for all the other people that raised their hands that were just honest with themselves that, hey, I'm not desperate for you. I thank you for the faith, the courage to, to raise the hand, to be honest with themselves. Let us not be like the rich young ruler that seems to be doing all the right things, but truthfully, we're not desperate for you. Pray that you'll do something in their hearts today, that they'll leave this place not the same, but forever changed, and that going into 2019, they will desire you above all else. Lord God, we just love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.